Good morning, everybody out there in pajama land. Jason Connor, lead pastor, Porter Creek Church, Arlington, with you this morning. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. We'll be there today because we're closing out our series, Jesus Paid It All, where we've taken several sessions really to look at the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and what it means to live in the implications of both of these events. The reason we're going to Revelation chapter 21 today is because it's the point of the whole thing. It's where the all of Scripture points to. It is, it is why Jesus came. And also it answers a question that all of us experience together, this idea of emptiness, this idea of longing. Is there a point to that? We all experience it, even now more so, because we're isolated. Let me just say, what, what if this is inherent in us, in all of us, because God uses it as a pointer, as a pointer to, to something that we've never experienced, almost like remembering a place that you've never been, or longing for a relationship that you've never had. This longing and this loneliness pushes us there. This, even this emptiness, it drives us. It's a homing beacon. It leads us to God. Listen, it's going to call us or, or lead us to imagine a place where your free, spontaneous will will do a few things. One, it will glorify God. It will bring great joy to you and goodness to everyone. Can, can you imagine a place like that? If you're, if you're, if you're like me, you're saying, well, not really, because Life feels like I'm, I'm kind of torn up into this epic battle. I don't know where it is, but I feel like I'm in it somewhere. Yes, it's true. And Revelation kind of peels back the curtain on that so that we can see this. See, Revelation does that. It both pulls us up into heaven. It gives us a transcendent view of reality so that our reality is reset by this view that we have from Revelation. And it pulls us into the future so that we can see where we're going. You know, several years back, um, my family and I were in New York City for Thanksgiving Day Parade, uh, took the number seven train into Times Square and came up out of the subway and it was a mass of humanity. I thought I knew where I wanted to go, but we were just moving through a, just a whole wave of people. And I could see buildings, but I couldn't see street signs and I didn't really know where I was going. Here's what Revelation is going to do for you today. It's going to place you on the 30th floor in Times Square so that you can see both the parade and you can see the future of where it's going. This is what Revelation does. It resets your reality so that you can see what God is up to and then live in it better. It act, this vivid, beautiful picture of Revelation 21 actually in, just fuels our faithfulness. You see, the resurrection of Jesus raised us to new creation. It's common. It starts now through faith, but it's, it's happening to us now and it's going to happen to us in fulfillment in the future, raises us to this new creation. So let's jump in, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8, and see what God's got for us today. I know you've probably heard this before because we read it a lot in Portico. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And they saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from 
God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We need a vision of the present and of the future that pulls us to yourself, God, that fuels our obedience and our faithfulness even now. We need to understand what this longing is drawing us towards. Let it be you. Lord, we pray that as we open up your word today, you would would open it up for us that we might behold its treasure and worship you, Lord. And we lift this time up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So here we are. This resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus, raises us to a new creation. And today, we're just going to see a snapshot. I'm going to move through this verse And I want to show you seven attributes of this new creation. It's going to be a little fast and furious. We're walking through some different scripture. I want you to feel this. I want you to see a picture of the new creation and your part in it. Yeah, I want to see that. Just a snapshot today. Um, And know that the resurrection of Jesus is everything to this. This should reset your expectations. What do I mean by that? Well, in Ephesians 2, uh, it talks that we are, tells us that we are saved by grace and that we were raised up in the heavenlies, seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. So we are there now, but not yet. We share in this resurrection, but not fully consummated. So we want to understand that. Uh, and, and Jesus, as Colossians said, is the firstborn of the dead. Uh, the rest of us are born through faith into this resurrection. So let's walk through this. In the resurrection, you are raised into new creation. And let's understand this, get a snapshot of this new creation by walking through seven attributes of this new creation. So the first attribute is this. This new creation is new. It's not renovated. Do you hear that? It's new. It's, It's new. Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, hey, hey, dude, I got this new car. You need to come out and see my brand new car. And you walk out and it's like a 1998 Honda Prelude. And you're like, that's not a new car. He's like, yeah, it's new to me. Okay, but that's not a new car. It's new to you. This is not what God is talking about. 
The new heavens and the new earth is not the next heavens and the new earth. It is something completely new. It's categorically unexperienced by us. The only thing we've ever heard or seen is the resurrection of Jesus. His body was still his own, right? Still made up of the dust of the earth, but in a glorified way. So this is newness. This is something only God can do. So there's a newness to this creation that is, is brand new. Not that God is creating ex nihilo out of nothing. He's, it seems to me that he's using the old creation but raising it to this new creation that he has in mind. For instance, um, what we need to know is that this is only something God can do. If I get, for instance this, if I gave you a bunch of wood, you could do many things with that. Maybe you can make a house, make a chest of drawers, maybe you could lay it down as hardwood floor, whatever. But here's one thing that you could not do with that wood. You could not make a living tree. You do not have the ability to do that. God does. So this new creation, it's not a renovation. God is making something new. And there's a lot of attributes to that newness. And this is heaven landing on earth. Did you catch that? This is not us being taken up to heaven. This is the saints who have fallen asleep, perished. This, this is the church of all time coming down with Christ, meeting on earth. This is heaven coming down to earth. Uh, this is very important for us to pick up on. And even as our call to worship said, the writer of a revelation, the apostle John, is just picking up on the promise out of Isaiah 65, 17, when they really needed a vision of the future. They were in captivity in Babylon. And he's saying, I will make all things new, a new heaven and a new earth. There will be joy for you, Israel. Hold on to me. So first, it's new, it's not renovated, meaning you need a new birth. Like we understand this. We are born again through faith. We don't need renovation. We need absolute newness. So it's new and not uh, renovated. Secondly, there's an unbreakable relationship that comes in the new heavens and the new earth. Did you pick up on that? This is full possession of your status, of my status as a bride. That's right. Said that right. Our status as the bride of Christ is fully realized in the consummation of the new heavens and the new earth. Think of it this way. God's promise, his commitment is fully realized and our faithfulness is fully rewarded. And there's a reunion. There is a full reconciliation. Uh, there is the bride of Christ. There is an unbreakable relationship that goes to all the way to fullness in this new heavens and this new earth. Um, remember this, our story begins in a garden, yes, in Genesis. And there's even in Genesis chapter two, this marriage scene in Genesis 2, 24. Don't lose this. All of creation starts in a garden with a marriage and ends in a city temple garden with a marriage, pointing to its unbreakable relationship in the new heavens and the new earth. It's not nuanced, it's not partial, it's full. And we have that too. We have this partially now. We're truly reconciled to Christ now. But every tie that we have, aside from that, can be broken. This will never be broken. Unbreakable relationship. So it's new and not renovated. Secondly, it's an unbreakable relationship that we have in this new heavens and this new earth. And this is really getting good. Third, it's unrestricted access. So this relationship that is unbreakable, that sees full consummation, the fullness of it in this reunion of heaven and earth, well, there's, there's just access all the time. You know, if you look further into chapter 22, it says there's no temple, 
There's no temple in the new heavens and the new earth. There's no place for God to reside because all of it is his temple. There's no holiest of holies. There's no curtain to go through. There's, there's no assembly. It, we are before God. His throne is in the center of creation. Unrestricted access. Um, let me just read that for us so we don't miss this. In chapter 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. That, friend, is all over your Bible. Here, where's a few places you can find it? Well, Ezekiel 37, 27, also Exodus 6, 7. That is the point of the whole Bible. When John says the word dwelt with us, it's the same word. He tabernacled with us. He took up residence with us. He moved into the neighborhood. This is unrestricted access to God. This is the whole point of all 66 of the Bible. It's moving right here to this verse, chapter 3, where God will be our God. We'll be his people and he will dwell with us. Dwell with us. That is what the promise of the gospel is. Well, do we have that now? Yes, we have the Spirit poured into us. We have fellowship with God, truly, and we have fellowship with the saints, truly, but this is unrestricted access, no temple, fully present. The whole city of the new Jerusalem, the whole creation is overrun by God's glory and we participate in that without restriction, even see him face to face. Get a picture of that going in your head. That, this is what is going to spur us on. Uh, this is like the difference of, of meeting your best friend over Zoom or video conferencing versus having them at the table. There's no comparison. So that's the difference between our relationship and our experience of God now and where he's taking us in the new heavens and the new earth. So number three, unrestricted access. Next, number four, total healing. You heard that, yes? So in the full presence of God, you can expect to have full healing. Have you ever um, experienced either a physical ailment that just won't go away, or, or, or maybe it's just a deep wound, spiritually or emotionally, and honestly, you can't even really explain it. It's there, you don't want to talk about it, it doesn't go away, you don't even know how to understand it. Uh, Romans 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 23, kind of picks up on this, where the Apostle Paul says that all of creation is groaning, and we're even groaning for the redemption of our bodies, we're breaking. <sighs> you... In the new heavens and the new earth, we have healing now, and it's substantial, but it's going to be absolute and complete and total. The full presence of God brings to you personally full healing. In other words, deep personal care and healing from God. Do you need that? You need that. I need that. Deep personal care. You don't need mending. You don't need another Band-Aid. You don't need to wait for something else. You need full healing, every tear gone, pain gone, healed in Christ. What will that look like? I don't know. That's part of the wonder of it. So yes, unrestricted access, total healing, keep going. Number five, we have a finished redemption. So much of our life is in the not yet, correct? We're waiting, 
We have fellowship with God. We're truly reconciled to Him. Our sin is truly paid for. We're positionally in the heavenlies. However, He's talking about finished and final redemption here. God the Father speaks in Revelation two times. In chapter 1, verse 8, where he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, uh, the one who is and was and is to come. And then he speaks again right here. It's uh, chapter 21, verse 6 here. Let me just read it. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. It is done. Do you remember? Do those words ring to you? Do you remember where God the Son said that? In the Gospel of John, as He's on the cross, as He gives up His life fully for us, it is finished. This means the work of redemption is absolutely completed. You are brought to full maturity in body, in mind, in spirit, that you might enjoy this recreated cosmos in fullness with God, with all with everyone. Whatever began at the cross has brought to full completion and we are raised imperishable. You do know that your eternity in Christ is not some disembodied experience where you float around in the clouds of the harp. That's not true. We are disembodied when we die, we go to be with the Lord, but when Christ returns, when this goes down, we are reunited with a glorified body. We are raised incorruptible. What does that look like? I don't know. I'm looking forward to it as well. But we are a finished redemption. Number six, we have an overflowing life. Attributes of the new creation. How is Jesus raising us to this new creation in his resurrection? Well, it says we have an overflowing life. Did you pick up on that idea of water? God says to the thirsty, he will give this overflowing water, this fountain of life that you get without payment. You hear that? And I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. No one met need. Fullness of joy. Fullness of the experience of joy. And this doesn't come because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. So it cannot be lost. Living water. Who gets it? Those who thirst. What does that mean? Do you see your intense need for God? Do you? Do you see your intense need to be reconciled to God personally? Do you understand that our sin, your sin, separates us from God and that in Christ it's wiped away, paid for, and we are raised to a new position and even to a new creation, partially now, fully in the future when he returns. So this thirst is the soul that longs for God and understands above everything you need him. Uh, I remember when my kids were little, uh, we, we had, of course, a thousand different pets. And one of the kids, I think it was my son, got a tree frog because everybody wants a tree frog. And we put it in this aquarium. And I don't know how because it was sealed in. Is it an aquarium or a terrarium? I don't even know. But this little tree frog would somehow get out of it, even though it was encapsulated. I think he was magic. And we were like, well, he's gone. I guess he's dead. And then he would show up like a two or three days later in the shower. You'd be in the shower and there's this little tree frog looking at you off of uh, the loofah sponge or something. So the point is, 
I don't know how he knew it, this tiny little tree frog, but he, was, he wanted water and he found the shower. He found water. This is a picture of our soul that is dying without reconciliation to God, without, without knowing God. So thirst for that. So there's an overflowing life in this new creation that the resurrection of Jesus raises us to where you never thirst. Your, your need is always met. And lastly, there's a perfect justice. Now we like reading the first part, but when it gets to the portion about the lake of fire, which scripture calls hell, we don't want to read that. Here's why you do want to read that. Here's why you do want to do that. Friend, you do not want to be in a recreated cosmos, in a new heavens and a new earth where justice hasn't taken place. You do not want to be in a new heavens and a new earth where evil is just swept under the rug, where there are things and people and forces that still taunt and torment and standing it. It's all going to be gone. Well, what about my sin? Well, if you're trusting in Christ, your sin is justly dealt with on the cross. You hear that? So it's not dealt with here. Everything else is judged. Perfect justice. God brings his new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, to full completion by fully judging evil. Perfect justice. So every good thing is the only thing we experience in this new heavens and this new earth. See, the resurrection takes you there, friend. Now partially, in the future, finally. These are the attributes of the new creation. It is brand new. It's not just a paint job or a renewal. Do you see that? It's, it's a new creation. It's an unbroken relationship with God, unrestricted access to God. Do you even know what that will be like? It is total healing all the way. It is a finished redemption. It is full maturity. Do you hear that? Body, mind, and spirit. It is overflowing life, and it is perfect justice, and you get it through faith, open hands. As you read this, does it not make you long for a place you've never been? Does it make you want to experience this now? It should, friend. This is, this is our hope. This is what Jesus was doing the whole time. This is what it means to be seated in the heavenlies now, but going there in Christ fully. Where does this take you? Listen, your emptiness, your longing, loneliness, it is a homing beacon. It is pointing you to God. It is pointing you to this day. It is pointing you to this place. And the way that you conquer, the way that you win, is in Christ. It's calling us to faithfully live now. How faithful? Well, he's talking to the, the early church, and they would have understood it the way you should understand it. Faithful unto death. In other words, there's nothing in this world, in my life, that stands up and above this. Nothing. Think about that. What is there in your life? What experience do you have? What do you need? What do you have 
that is drawing you away from what God has for you, both now and in your future. What is that? Get rid of it. Let go of it. Let Christ have that. This is where the resurrection has taken you. It's even hard to understand how good this, this city, this temple garden, this recreated cosmos is going to be. But our call is to go there, to let this, let this picture of the finished creation that we get to be a part of draw us in to faithfulness. If you don't know Jesus, if you're like, wow, you know what, that sounds great. Is that what heaven means? Yeah, that's what heaven means. You can have this. You can trust him now. You can have living water. Here's why. Because Jesus on the cross, what he did was he experienced that second death. He experienced that lake of fire. He took on our sin in real time, your sin, my sin, so that when we repent and receive by faith, we get living water without cost. This is it. This is what Jesus paid for. Receive it. Receive it today. Jesus, in his resurrection, raises you, raises me, raises us to this new creation. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Um, man, life is hard. Life is hard. And we thank you that you don't leave us as orphans. God, you, you pour your spirit out on us. You give us your church, Lord. And regardless of how good or how bad life is, um, you are with us. You have made us new creations and you preparing a new creation even now. We look forward to this day when we will see the new heaven and the new earth and the holy new city Jerusalem coming down to meet your recreated cosmos. We're looking forward to that day, Lord. Sustain us and persevere us all in the name of Jesus. Amen.